All right, so so welcome everybody to chapter 11 of Sefer Kohelet. Um, the first pasuk from this pedek actually is going to be a similar continuation from last week's pedek. If you remember, we left off last week that he was giving us general life advice. And it's interesting because Kohelet is starting to sound in a lot of ways like Sefer Mishle, like the book of Proverbs. And for me, this this is probably one of my favorite perakim, just because the stuff is very practical, and it's extremely easy to relate to and, and understand for our time. So let's see what we, what we understand from it. So the first pasuk um, is it's really going to be telling us how to prepare for all eventualities in life. Life is going to bring about things that we have no idea how to prepare for them, um, and instead of pondering about life's mysteries, which one can do. Really what Kohelet is saying, the best piece of advice he can give you is to adapt yourself to various different possible outcomes that can happen in your life and be a flexible person. Don't be somebody that's so prepared for one specific situation because then you're not going to be able to to adapt if things don't turn out exactly as you planned. So let's see. The first pasuk. Shalach lach mecha al hamayim. Send your bread forth upon the waters. For after many days you'll find it. So that's a really nice idea about investing in the future. So what does he mean by that? He means when you're sending bread upon the water, what are you doing? In a way, you're really giving up that bread. You're surrendering the expectation of personal benefit from that bread. You know, okay, I'm sending it forth. It's not something that I have my eye on constantly. I don't know what's going to be of it. But paradoxically, he's saying, you will benefit from it one day. It will come back around to give you benefit. So there's different interpretations of what this means. Um, really, the, the simplest explanation is it probably means do, do deeds of charity. Do acts of kindness. Give real tzedakah to people. Because you never know when the favor will be returned. If you do a favor to your friend... Very often, like in, a, in a, just in your friend group, you have so many friends. When you do somebody a favor, you'll get something in return. It's just a very practical thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be your entire motivation, but it is certainly a beneficial thing when you're able to help somebody specifically uh, in a specific way, and then you end up benefiting from them just from that strengthened relationship one day. Um, the Midrash, very interestingly, tells us a story about uh, a man who was shipwrecked and he was washed ashore naked, right? And in the Gemara, it tells us this rabbi named Bar Kapara, he found this man who was washed ashore naked, he took him home, he fed him, and he clothed him. Just out of the kindness of his heart, Bar Kapara was really a, a, a sadiq. And it turned out, who was this man that, was, that had drowned and that he saved? It was a Roman proconsul, so somebody in the Roman government. And at a later time, this Roman uh, official actually agreed to the rabbi's request to show mercy to some of the Jews who had been arrested at the time. And because of that act of kindness by Rabbi Bar Kapara, he was able to save these Jews from being in prison. So you never know how one of your deeds of kindness will have a butterfly effect that will really pay off later on in life. And that's what it means. One day, you'll find that. You'll, it'll come back in a, in a beautiful way. Um, and if you want to understand it in terms of business, right? 
very smart businessmen will tell you, don't put all your bags, all your eggs in one basket. Don't have only one cash crop. Make sure you diversify. Make sure you have a lot of different ways of making capital. Because if you put everything in one basket, what's going to happen? If something, God forbid, outside of your control happens, there it goes. There goes all your money. So it's just about being smart about it. Any, any questions or comments about that? Okay, great. Um, so next pasuk. Ten chelik l'shiv'a Distribute portions to seven or even to eight, for you cannot know what misfortune may occur on earth. So it seems that this is talking again about giving uh, money to needy people, doing acts of kindness. There's a practical value of the good that you will gain through your acts of, of benevolence. There's reciprocity in the world. So just, just understanding that fact that there's such a thing as reciprocation and you don't know how your future is going to play out, it makes sense to be as kind and as good to as many people as possible. This is just a very strict like social contract kind of thinking. And obviously, we would like to think that the highest level of doing kindness is not for the sake of getting any benefit, just for the sake of doing it because it's right. But at the end of the day, he's giving us practical wisdom for just those who have no reason to say, let me just do it because it's right. So that's really interesting. I guess when you look at the world as completely meaningless, okay, what does it matter to do the right thing? Well, he's saying it does still matter. Um, next pasuk. If the clouds are filled, they will pour down rain on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, the tree will stay where it falls. So this is pretty simple. Um, he's saying not only are, are misfortunes not inside of our control as human beings, but all events in general, right? Like natural phenomena, like clouds and trees falling and winds blowing. Those are all analogies for everything that's outside of my control as a human being. So these things will happen when and how they will. We have no control over that. So he's just trying to point out in a humble way, look how little we really do control. There's so many things outside of our control, and I, I find myself almost every week quoting that AA prayer, God grant me the wisdom to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. right? And that's a beautiful prayer because it, it kind of removes a lot of responsibility from those things that you shouldn't have responsibility over, things that you cannot control. Surrender to those things, and obviously do take care of those things you can control. Shomer Ruach, Pasuk Dalet. Shomer Ruach, Lo Yizra'ah, Viro'eh Be'avim, Lo Yiksor. I love this one. If one watches the wind, he will never sow. If, if, and if one observes the clouds, he will never reap. So some people are waiting their whole lives for the right moment. They say, oh, I got to wait for this, for that. Everything has to fall perfectly into place for me to take action. Kohelet says this is extremely foolish. Don't wait idly by for life to work out perfectly. For, you, for the exact moment on which to pounce, and because you're never going to end up doing what you need to do. Life is not going to turn out perfectly. It's not going to be under your control in that way. So instead, so planning too meticulously. Don't, don't plan too meticulously. Um, it could, it's going to paralyze you. There's people who really want to plan out everything, and it really just doesn't work. So on the same grounds, Kohelet's saying, enjoy the moment. As soon as the opportunity presents itself, seize that opportunity. Fadal, come, come join me. <laughs> come, Fadal. Yeah, no problem. 
Um, so, so it's clear that Kohelet wants us to understand there's only so many things I can control as a human being. So because of that, you, it just makes sense. Just when an opportunity presents itself, go and do it. It's not going to be perfect, but at least you're doing something. Um, next pasuk. This is really interesting. Just as you do not know how the life breath passes into the limbs within the womb of the pregnant woman, so this, this phenomenon of life being brought into a child... Oh, sorry guys, give me one second. The phenomenon of uh, life being brought for a child... Just like we don't understand that, so too we don't understand how how God runs this world, right? So so just the humility in that statement is pretty is pretty incredible. Give me one second, guys. I'm being I'm being relocated. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, awesome. Right. Turn this light on here. There we go. Perfect. Thank you very much. I'm good, I'm good. Thank you. Um, okay. Right, so it's it's really, there's, there's a certain level of humility you need to have to understand that really it's impossible to predict how life is going to play out. We don't understand so many things about the world, so many natural phenomena. How is it that life is breathed into inanimate, you know, matter? At the end of the day, the sperm and the egg hitting each other and becoming one flesh, that doesn't really explain how life is really brought into it. That's a miracle. That's something that's incredible. And Kohelet's pointing that out, and he's saying, we don't understand the ways of God. So because we don't understand the ways of God, it makes sense really just to to be humble. To to And it seems like he's, for the first time in the book, instead of lamenting the fact that there's so much we don't understand as human beings, he's not taking that cynical negative view anymore. Instead now, we're seeing, he's saying, you know what? We don't understand. Just sit in awe of that fact and realize that there's only so much you can control and go and control those things you can. And now, what's his advice? Therefore, what does he say? Pasuk 6. I love this pasuk. It's actually, I learned it in high school. Um, It teaches us the idea, you know, from the Hachamim's point of view, you should never stop having children. You know, I love that idea because, uh, you know, you could have kids when you're young, have kids continuing when you're old. It's a big mitzvah, peru urvu. My grandpa, actually, my grandpa Sam, um, he was a person that he, he, my grandma actually was his second wife. So his first wife, Shalom, she passed away. They had a lot of kids. And then he got remarried to my grandma and he had children till he was like 68 years old. He had his last child. So that, for me, my grandpa really uh, signifies this exact pasuk. Do not cease from having children. That's what the hachamim say. But let's go into the peshat pashut. What is the simple meaning of this? So sow your seed in the morning. Let's finish the pasuk. Right? Don't hold back your hand in the evening since you don't know which is going to succeed, the one or the other. Or if both are equally good. So you don't understand that, or you don't know at least, you can't predict which one of your prospects are going to actually work out fully. 
you're going to undertake all these different tasks when the opportunity arises, but you need to prepare for multiple possibilities because you're not sure what's going to pan out. So make sure you invest a little bit in that stock. Some people are investing in Dogecoin now. If you did, Hazaku Baruch, you probably made a lot of money. But the point is, sowing represents all these different investments in work or in wealth or anything in life, um, you know, and live life fully to the end. Make sure you're always active, always doing things. Don't do it out of toil. Don't do it out of constant need for working. Instead, life is something to be really lived out fully. It's something to really take advantage of every single moment of it. So make sure you diversify your efforts and your investments during your lifetime. And when, when you're doing that, you're going to end up having a fulfilling life in which different things are going to pan out. Just because one thing doesn't pan out, it doesn't mean the other thing won't. Right? Because uh, that's the way life works sometimes. What do you guys think about that? Any questions or comments so far? I feel like I'm really liking this chapter a lot more. It's very motivating and it's like a lot more positive than all the other chapters. <laughs> I feel you. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's why I like it too. Yeah, anybody else? So what, what exactly, what do you feel is so positive about it? It just said... It just says to like keep working. If one thing doesn't work out for you, it's fine. Something else will work out. Yes. There's a beautiful thing that I heard from Alan Watts. He talks about uh, be like water. What does that mean, be like water? He says when you watch water you know, flowing on, on sand or water flowing on soil, sometimes the water, you know, it'll, it'll swivel this way, it'll swivel that way, and it'll make a path in one direction and a path in another direction. But what happens is, it, it ends up only going in the path of least resistance. So is, is the water all neurotic and self-conscious when it doesn't go in that way? Oh, it thought it was going to hit that direction, but it ended up going that direction. No, the water just flows. So his advice is just be like water. As human beings, we don't have to worry about one thing not working out, one thing working out. Really, at the end of the day, if you're active enough, if you're just putting this kind of uh, uh, an effort into life, something beautiful will happen, which is things will pan out for you. I think it's such a great way of living. Instead of getting hung up on those things that don't work out, just diversify everything and appreciate those things that do work out. I think it's a beautiful perspective. And like Bella was saying, yeah, it's a very positive pedic so far. And I'm, that's really what I love about it. Any other comments or questions? Bruce Lee says that. Be like water. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So I guess I guess uh, Alan Watts is stealing a page in his playbook. So, you know, somebody else... I don't know who stole it from who, or if they, they converged on the same idea. But either way, it's definitely a, a good idea to be like water. I like that a lot. Also, water is like humble. It always sinks to the lowest place. That's such a beautiful idea. You know, water takes on the form of the lowest place possible. The Hachamim compared Torah to Mayim because of that reason as well. Somebody who has Torah is going to have humility just like that water has. So I think it's a beautiful idea. That's a, real, that's a real chidush. I love that. Thank you, Mike. Of course. Thank you. Um, so let's continue. Pasuk Zayin. Umatok What a beautiful pasuk. How sweet is the light. What a delight for the eyes to behold the sun. Right now I'm in Maine. It's so beautiful. Like Sammy can attest to you. We're, we're, we're watching the mountains. We're watching the sunset over the mountains. So much nature around us. And... It's hard to take it all in. There's such a sense of awe. It's such a sense of newness all the time that we really want to appreciate. And I love the fact that he says this because 
he just wants you to, as it's such a simple thing that just he's urging us to enjoy the life that we're given while it's still possible life is limited and albert i know you quoted for me that that uh that line from one of those movies right that the gods are almost jealous of human beings because we have a limited lifetime and therefore it adds that poignancy it adds that necessity for it to be even more meaningful because you know it has an ending to it and i think that's that's exactly the point is that when you realize the limitation that life has it forces you to live in the moment it forces you to really appreciate what you have like we always talk about that stoic meditation that whatever you're doing at that moment like right now i can imagine god forbid or not maybe not god forbid what if this is the last class that i ever was able to give uh, let me because you know it could very well be so let me take on that perspective let me while speaking with you guys let me let me cherish this class for its singularity let me treat it like it's the first class and the very last class that i'll ever give and then I really will appreciate this class. I'll have real gratitude for it, just for the opportunity to speak to you guys, just for the opportunity to, to breathe this air and be alive for this day. So when you say Modani, it's a beautiful thing. Instead of just speeding through Modani, think to yourself, wow, let me treat this day as though it's the first day and the very last day of my life, and then it'll really be a good day. You know, I heard also from one of these, uh, these sports guys he says a good day consists of doing three things, laughing, crying, and thinking. If you could do all those things in one day, you definitely had a good day. Laughing, thinking, and crying. Just because it, it kind of encompasses all the, the real depths of meaning that we as humans can experience. And when you're doing all those things, you're firing on all cylinders. And just appreciate what's in front of you. Look how beautiful the light is, the delight to the eyes to behold the sun. Just simply being in the sunshine is such a blessing. Just to be alive is good. Even though life's taste can be sometimes bitter, just the very fact of existence is a blessing. And that's such a beautiful thing that he's expressing here. And it's surprising almost compared to what we've heard earlier. Yes? What is this crying? Is it crying for happiness, crying for sadness? I think it, it could be just be crying out of a, a deep sense of emotion, any any kind of emotion, you know. Yeah. Being moved to tears, I would say, is the, is a better way of saying it. But yeah, you know, it could be something that's sad, but it's still moving, you know. So let's yeah, see what let, yeah, let's see how he develops this in pasuk het. Kim shanim adam. If a person lives, even if a man lives many years. Let him enjoy himself in all of them. Right? Let him enjoy himself in all the days, remembering how many the days of darkness are going to be. The only future is nothingness. So why is he saying this? It seems that's exactly what we were just saying. He's not saying it in a cynical way. He's saying what you have waiting for you after this lifetime is not an afterlife it's just non-being and you know what because of that very fact of the idea that this journey has a destination the fact that life will one day end when you're cognizant of that it forces you to be the kind of person who takes in the sunshine and appreciates that light and now i'm going to go have this bonfire in a few minutes and it's going to be you know much more meaningful now that i had this conversation with you guys because i'm able to recognize you know what 
this is the one life that I've been given. Michael Franco has been given this one life. And this is the one night that's in front of me tonight. Let me go live it out. Let me go spend it beautifully sitting around the campfire with my friends. Is there anything more beautiful and meaningful than, than living that way? And, uh, you know, that's, that's the idea. Life is fleeting. So we shouldn't take time for granted. We need to begin enjoying ourselves while we're young. That's basically a, a big point that we're going to see developed in the next Pasuk as well. So, and what does he mean? Remember death. The whole point is if you want to embrace life, if you want to appreciate life paradoxically, what do you need to do? You need to remember death. To really embrace life, you need to remember the day of your death. That's why we say Yom Kippur, Lo Yom We say it like part of Anna. We said we didn't remember the day of our death. And that's a sin in a way. Because it's sinful not to appreciate all the beauty that God gives us every single day. Um, and very paradoxically, we saw in, in chapter 5, he said the only way to, to divert your thoughts from death is to engage in pleasure. So it's kind of like a double thing. It's almost like if you want to really forget about death, remember death. Because that will allow you to really embrace life. It's a very funny thing, but when you fully embrace the idea that death exists... You'll forget all about it because you'll start really living life fully. It's a very beautiful concept. Um, and when he says that the only future is nothingness, you, it's going to be meaninglessness later on. So you might as well find that meaning now in the moment. It's a little bit Buddhist in, in that perspective, I would say. Any questions or comments before we do the last two pesukim? <laughs> Anybody? Okay. I missed the last. I missed the last week's class, so perhaps I'm missing something. But it seems like such a big jump in like God's yeah. mindset. Yeah. Last week, it's it's a, that's a great question. Last week, he he started giving a lot of practical wisdom, and it's very much a continuation of that. But I guess the more practical wisdom he was giving, the more positive and upbeat it started to sound. Um, and maybe I'm just feeling good too. So maybe I'm coloring it in a, in a little bit of a way as well. But I think it really is his, uh, his intention. He's sounding very upbeat. Um, but now you'll see the next two Pesukim are going to be a little bit controversial. Uh, so we'll see about that. But yeah, he, I think he eased his way into this Pedic. Um, as opposed to last Pedic where he was a little bit more just practical, practical wisdom. Now he's really getting into the practical wisdom plus a positive outlook on things. So yeah, you're right. It's definitely an upturn. In the, in the mood of the book, for sure. So let's see Pasuk uh, Tet. Semach bachur beyaldutecha vitivecha lebecha bime bechorotecha vehalech bedarche lebecha umarea inecha. O youth, enjoy yourself while you are young. Enjoy your youth. Let your heart lead you to enjoyment in the days of your youth. Follow the desires of your heart. And the glances of your eyes. Does anybody hear anything in what I just said that sounds so ironic? If you pray Arbi tonight or if you're saying Shema tomorrow morning, what's so funny about what I just said? <laughs> there we go, Mofa, I was waiting for you. Hey, there you are, that's exactly it. Moshe directly contradicts that in the Torah. So, what do you mean? That you should go after the desires of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Right, so... But no, hold on. It gives, yes. a, it gives a little caveat. Ah, exactly. So let's, let's finish the Pasuk. 
What do we say here? Veda ki al kol ele yevi acha ha'elohim b'mishpat. But know well that God will call you to account for all such things. I, I think it's a necessary, you know, stopper. Yeah. For the live in the moment mentality. Yes. Yeah, live in the live in the moment. Do it. Do it. Do it. Just know, like, and chase your heart, chase your eyes, have fun. Exactly. There's gonna be ramifications. That's the point. And if there's going to be ramifications, just be cognizant of that while you're enjoying yourself and just live responsibly. You know, like they say in the commercial, nothing wrong with drinking alcohol, just drink responsibly. That's really it. And he's. And, and, you know, this is after a long battle of Kohelet. Exactly. You're That's exactly it. 100%. And he's saying you need to keep within the bounds of morality. He's always talking about, you know, we should enjoy pleasures, but always do it in a way that's moderate, legitimate, temperate pleasures. He disdains excess. He doesn't like hedonism. He considers it too much. Uh, you know, it's, I guess it could be hedonism in a way, but if you're doing it in, in too much of an indulgent way, that's not something he agrees with. Um, but, you know, the Septuagint is, is interestingly, completely reverses... Uh, sorry, not the Septuagint. Ben Sira. Ben Sira did not like the first half of the Spasuk, and he says, do not follow your heart and your eyes. Because he was not happy with that. And the Septuagint, though, says, as a precaution, some manuscripts of the Septuagint add innocently after your heart. So when it, when it adds that word, okay, you can follow your heart in an innocent way. Don't follow your heart to all, for all your lustful desires. Just follow your heart innocently. So there's there's a lot of different caveats from other books, too, not just this one. Um, but very interestingly, what do the modern scholars say? Just like they do with the last... Uh, the second to last pasuk of the whole book, or the last pasuk of the whole book, what do the modern scholars do? They say, oh, it was added in. It's an addition. It wasn't really there in the original text. And they, they it's, it's only because the, whatever scribe was writing this could not live with Kohelet saying to enjoy yourself. And, he, and it seems that it's like it's out of place because the tone of the whole pasuk was just giving us practical wisdom, practical wisdom. It interrupts a, seri- a series of imperatives. There's imperative after imperative after imperative. What is this caveat doing there? It doesn't seem to belong the same way that the second to last pasuk doesn't seem to belong. So, I don't know about that, though. It does belong. So I agree. I agree with you. I'm just saying what the scholars say. I think it's a good debate. I think it brings out a lot. Of the whole point of it is that it sounds a little bit dicey in the beginning, there is this caveat here. What do we do with it? Is it flowing or is it not flowing? So, Mofo, you think it does flow? Yeah, I, I think it definitely does. Uh, when I see this chase after your eyes and heart, if you're a person like who never got to chase that and never got to do that, you'll always be sitting in those what-ifs. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I think you have to learn through that. You have to learn on your own. Absolutely, I, I and, agree. And, and you can tell someone to go do that and just be aware that you're going to face your consequences. But yeah. And you know what? Kohelet does believe, he does believe in a sovereign God. Even though he doesn't, he disputes that the God's justice is predictable and it's not timely enough. He does say that. But at the end of the day, he does believe in a sovereign God. He doesn't believe in a God that's, you know, that doesn't care. He believes in a God that cares. So it really does make sense in my mind that, that he would think this. As to whether or not it's an addition, I don't really know. I'm kind of on the, on the fence about it, but, you know, there is this debate. Just to point that out to you guys, that there is this debate as to whether or not that, that last part of the Pasuk was added. So just food for thought. 
So let's uh, let's finish it all off with this last pasuk. And banish care from your mind and pluck sorrow out of your flesh, for youth and black hair are fleeting. So he's saying, you know, we should rid ourselves of malaise and irritation. And in addition to enjoying pleasures, get rid of those things that are uncomfortable. Because you know what? It's fleeting. It's all temporary. This, the word hevel here doesn't mean meaningless. It means that it's temporary. It means it's transitory. It means it's like the word hevel. It's fleeting. Uh, so, and this idea of black hair, shaharut, is because it's compared to the, the, the when you're old, you have gray hair. So shaharut is when you have black hair and you're young and you can still enjoy things. So make sure that during that time you really do take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you. Because they're not going to last forever. And also the word shaharut doesn't have to mean shahor, as in black hair. It could also mean shahar, like the morning. Because the shaharut, the morning time of your lifetime, is fleeting and is temporary. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen Amen. I would love to hear your comments and questions. It's loved. I, I, I love this chapter so much. <laughs> Me too. Um, the end of it, reminding you to, be, to, to not get old. Like I, wow. I, I have, I have a seventy-one-year-old client who still acts like this with this youth. It's wonderful to see. It's a I mindset. To a man, um, he's in his seventies. He's he's about more five yeah. days in a row of running and swimming, and it's just like you don't have to wow. let yourself go gray. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very you would say the world you tells you that you do. That's it's damn right. You're like lazy or uh, some kind of failure if you have fun. That's exactly it. I, I always say age is a mindset. Yeah, Ronnie. No, I'm just saying, like, by default, we're told to be lazy and be old and we can't move anymore. Yeah. And then you become it. And then all of a sudden it starts hurting when you do stuff. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame that, that it could lead to that when you imbibe the culture of society that, that old age is bad or that aging is bad. And that it's a fundamental part of being a human. You don't have to adopt that culture. You could realize that age is a mindset. That there will be limits to what you can do physically. But that doesn't mean you have to define your, your getting old as a bad thing. You can realize that there's you're growing into more of yourself. And you're as young as you think you are. You're as vivacious as your soul is in a lot of ways. It's very much a mindset. It's, it's just about being productive. It's about going out and doing fun things and new things no matter how old you get. Yeah, wait, Mar, so what, do, what does he do, or how does he act in ways that we can learn from him when we become old? Some tips. You're saying this guy, Gary, who swims every day? Yeah. <laughs> he, well, well, first off, go do, like, be active. <laughs> That's no question. And it's, it's, it's all a mindset. You can't be afraid. Be Duke. Thank you for your lean, lean in. That's right. Any other questions before we end? First off, someone said something great today. He said, um, what was it? If you're afraid of it, it was, it was talking to this guy who was afraid he was going to be homeless. And he was going to suck at his job. So he went and bought a shopping cart to collect bottles. Hmm. They already start. And he said, what, what, are you already buying the shopping cart? Like, you're not even trying yet. <laughs> I can, uh, don't worry, I'll hold the shopping cart for you. It'll be here when you get back. Wow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it also just doesn't it doesn't just have to be with age it could be with anything that 
people are telling you that you are or that you maybe aren't, you know, you decide if you want to take on that role that they're giving you or if you don't want to take on that role. Like, you have to make those decisions for yourself and not, like, allow things to become, like, psychosomatic issues. Absolutely. Very much in your, you know, in your ballpark, in your control. You don't have to accept, you know, some people will give you emotional poison. Some people will give you uh, a way of thinking that you don't want to adopt. And you know what? You don't have to adopt it. You don't have to fight them. You know, you just don't don't accept it. You guys are awesome. Really, thank you so much for joining. I, I know it was a short class, short pedic, but just as enjoyable for me every single time. And we only have one class left. So next week is Shavuot. I'll be in touch with you guys regarding the date of our final class on Kohelet. And then Eov. And then uh, yeah, probably Eov. I'll I'll uh, or maybe you know whatever you guys want. Well, I'll ask around, but I'm I'm leaning towards Eov now. For sure. Yeah. I would love to do EOF. When's it going to be the EOF class? Maybe just uh, continuous. Maybe just the, the week after we do Kohelet. Cool. Yeah. You guys are awesome, yeah. really. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Michael. Take care, guys. Thanks. Enjoy your bonfire. Thank you. Enjoy Thank you so much. Care. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.